0: I don't know where you were this weekend when you heard the news. I was uh, in the car, and um, I think the news just just kind of hit me in the gut. It just was so dark, disappointing. Um, and, and I part of me felt like, as I've been thinking through it, I've been thinking, you know, I just think that our world has gone darker, recently, and uh, last night as I was preparing to talk, uh, the Lord kind of showed me a verse that I think probably reflects the hearts of the parents that have lost children uh, in Newtown, Connecticut, and it says this, "'A cry was heard from Rama, weeping in great mourning. Rachel weeps for her children.' refusing to be comforted for they are dead and what that verse is it's a it's the prophet jeremiah but it was it's used in the new testament and it's kind of interesting where it is used it is speaking after herod remember the wise men they came in and herod said where's the child going to be born and they said well and he says well tell me and they've were warned not to and when Herod found out that they had tricked him they went and they murdered all the boys around the area two years and younger and that's the verse of Jeremiah and I was thinking about that and I was thinking that's parents 2,000 years ago um, are sharing similar feelings to the parents in Newtown, Connecticut but it reminded me that Jesus was born into a dark world. And both of our worlds are dark. Uh, It hasn't changed, really. It's still dark. And I think the best thing that we can do right now is ask for God's grace for those families in that community. So let's just unite our hearts together in prayer for that right now. Our Father, we just don't know how to pray at times like this. We don't understand it. We just wish there was a way to prevent it, but we're not sure that that's even possible. And then you're God, and so we have questions there. But we trust you, Father. We know that you have a plan and a purpose. We do pray for your comfort for the families, especially those parents that have lost little boys and girls, for people who have lost parents and friends and neighbors and husbands just can't imagine father what they're going through but you do you know and I just pray your grace and your mercy would be very strong in this community in this, com- this town and, and these families and then you'll just help them today and then tomorrow maybe just the next hour Whatever they need, Father, I pray that you'd be a very present help in this time of trouble. And just carry them, Father, through this time. And I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. I think what our world needs more than ever is hope. I think what Newtown, Connecticut needs, what Dubuque, Iowa needs is hope. Um, because i don 't know if we 're ever going to figure out how to prevent tragedies like this happening, um, I think we 're losing hope in humanity i think we've, I think we 've seen the capacity for evil of one person and the damage that can be done when it 's suddenly unleashed but But I want to want you to walk out of here today with hope because I think there is hope for humanity and uh, we're not going to find it on Wall, on, on Wall Street. We're not going to find it in Washington. It's going to be found, interestingly enough, during the Christmas season in a manger in Bethlehem. And so that's what we want to look at because the hope that we're going to talk about today isn't a hope that maybe our kids will be safe or maybe our workplaces will be safe or uh, that things will work out right for us. But the hope that we're going to talk about is that a hope that we carry with us no matter what, what happens, no matter what our circumstances, because we have an eternal hope. And that's what we want to look at uh, this morning. And so I'm going to be reading from Luke chapter 2, starting at verse 8. And uh, let me pick up the passage. Luke chapter 2, starting at verse 8. <clears throat> That night there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. And suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared among them. And the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. They were terrified, but the angel reassured them. Don't be afraid, he said. I bring you good news that will be great joy to all people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David, and you will recognize him by a sign. You will find a baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth, lying in a manger. Suddenly the angel was joined with a vast host of others, the armies of heaven praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and peace on earth to those with whom God is pleased. When the angels returned to heaven, the shepherds said to each other, Let's go to Bethlehem, let's see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. They hurried into the village, and they found Mary and Joseph, and there was the baby lying in a manger. After seeing him, the shepherds told everyone what had happened, and what the angel had said to them about this child. And who heard and all who heard the shepherd's story were astonished. But Mary kept all these things in her heart as and thought about them often. Shepherds went back to their flocks, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen. It was just as the angel had told them. You know, the Christmas message is astonishing. It's amazing, and it's good news. And I want to talk about why the gospel is such good news and brings us so much hope today. Number one, it's because it transcends the messenger the angel said, I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all the people, the Savior. Yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. Um, this word good news here is the word we get our word gospel from. And the message of the shepherds was the gospel. And when Luke tells the shepherds, um, when they were the first ones invited to see the Christ child, uh, the first century hearers would have been aghast by that. They would have been set back. They would have been stunned by that because it was shocking. Why? Well, this is the time where I'm going to crush your, your, your your fond childhood memories for a few minutes, if I may. Well, number, let, let's talk about these shepherds. They were poor. They were usually at the bottom end of the economic, socioeconomic ladder. They were uneducated. Very few shepherds had an education. They smelled. I mean, come on. Doesn't that make sense? Have you, you know, if you've been around animals, and by the way, let's get rid of this idea that they're these fluffy white sheep, and they've just been run through the washer and dryer, and they're just like a little blanket. They're not, and, and, and they smell. And if you've ever smelled sheep manure, it's... Just it's kind of disgusting. I don't know if it's worse than chicken, but it's it's pretty bad. And don't let's not get into a debate about which is the worst because that doesn't get us anywhere. But here's another thing: the shepherds would use. They didn't have a lot of land. It was not like they were ranchers and they had land to, for their sheep to graze. They would let their sheep graze wherever they could find room. And so many times, they were most of the time they were grazing on other people's property. Can you imagine you walk out your cup of coffee in the kitchen, and you look out, and there's some guy with his sheep in your yard, eating your garden, and 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 eating your lawn, and you, you know you go, I, that's that's pretty, you know. No, you you get all mad, and and so in a sense, they weren't usually liked very well, and they weren't credible enough where they could testify in court. These are the shepherds, and God chooses poor uneducated smelly shepherds to bring the good news to the world which is amazing everyone learns the message of christmas from the shepherds now I'm, you know i was thinking about this why didn't god just cut out the middleman in this case the shepherds why did he just do that he could have had the angels go directly to mary right He could have had that. And you think, well, that would have made up probably for where Jesus was born. If, frankly, there was no room in the inn for him. And he had to be born outside of town. There was no room for him. And probably in a cave, in a a chicken or in a feeding trough. and, and, And you say, well, you know, if the angels, the chorus of angels were praising God there, then that might have made up for it. But he doesn't even do that. He does it to the shepherds out in the field. And then the shepherds come and tell the message. Now, why does God do that? Well, I believe it's because God loves using broken, hurting, and marginalized people. Why? Because he gets the glory then. You see, sharing the good news, sharing the gospel, is something that we... If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, we've been called to share the good news. We have a good news message that can change life and change a family and change hearts and change communities we have and we've been given the privilege of sharing this message now maybe you're hearing you say pastor i don't buy all that i am not on the gospel train at this point i don't know if i even believe in in jesus uh, i don't even know well you're off the hook and, and you, but i'm speaking to those of you who say i love jesus he's my lord he saved my soul and and i want other people to experience that and, and i've been set free i'm free and forgiven because of what jesus did for me and i want others to know that well, just understand this, that you may think, I think one of the barriers, or probably the biggest barrier that we have of sharing our faith is maybe one of these. Well, I'm not qualified. I'm not qualified. I don't have a degree in Bible or theology. I don't have all the answers. I don't, I don't have it all figured out. I'm still learning. I made mistakes. My life's not there yet. Look, Every now and then my life kind of just goes into the toilet and you got to be aware of that. So I just don't think I'm at a place where I could share the gospel to anyone. Remember the shepherds. What did they do? They didn't have degrees. They probably didn't have their lives together. What did they do? They, sh- they came and they told what they saw and what they heard. That's all they did. And The question is, who's going to bring the hope of the Christmas message to this world? Not the shepherds, not the angels. God has called us to bring the gospel to your sphere of influence, to the people that you come in contact with every day, your friends, excuse excuse me, your neighbors, your co-workers, your classmates, the people around you, and you know, one life at a time, one friend, one classmate, one teammate, one one family member, one coworker. And the question is, what keeps you from sharing this life transformational message with other people? Well, we look at ourselves and we say, I'm flawed, I'm imperfect, I'm not there, I don't know enough. Yet the shepherds were flawed human beings, they lack credibility. They lacked swagger and weight, but their message was powerful, and the same is true today. You see, the power isn't in you or me. The power is in the message. It's the message that has the power. And we've got to get beyond this whole thing of, well, you know, if it depends on me, we're in trouble. And listen, if it does depend on you or me, we are in trouble. But But it doesn't. The power is in the gospel message. So here's what I want you to do. Make a list of people, and, and you're going to say, this Christmas season, I'm going to help these people take one step closer to Jesus. Whatever that means. One step closer. Maybe they have questions, and you help answer those questions. You know, if you were to ask yourselves, in your own life, how you came to know Jesus, and you gave your what we call a testimony, you tell about how God was leading you, and you you somebody you worked with talked about Jesus or somebody gave you a book to read or you were invited to a church or you're invited to a Bible study or you had lunch with somebody on a regular basis. But you would, you would mention different people. And, and those people, those are redemptive relationships. Those are God-ordained relationships that God brought into your life and he used other people to bring you one step closer. He may have brought somebody in your life to answer a question here or to encourage you here or to put an arm around you because you were going through a difficult time. And, and they shared the gospel with you that's what God wants to do with you it doesn't it make sense that the same way that He brought you along He wants to bring he, he wants to bring others along and He wants to use you to do that, so you may be one piece of a puzzle and 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 that's what I want to encourage you to do so Think of two or three names of people. That you say, "I'm I'm committing to pray that God is going to use me to bring this person one step closer." It may be that you'll invite them out for dinner, or that you'll invite them to church, or maybe even to the Christmas Eve service. and And you'll invite them and say, "Hey, come on, and we'll go together, and we'll hang out, and it'll be a great time for our families to get together, or whatever." But do something to help them hear the good news. Again, the mess, the power isn't in you. The power is in the message. But the gospel leads, number two, to joy, to all who believe. It looks, look at this. Both the angels and the shepherds rejoiced at the good news. And, and when we grasp the good news, so will we, and so have we. The good news brings rejoicing and reflection. Now, I think this is an amazing verse, and I've gone over this verse so many times over the years. It says this, Suddenly the angel was joined, because it's one angel speaking to to the shepherds, and then it's like everything, heaven busts loose. It's just like crazy. It's just like all over the place. The angel was joined with a vast host of others, the armies of heaven, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven and peace on earth to those whom God has blessed. And, and I was thinking about that. So the, the, there's a couple of amazing things here. Number one is the amount of angels that gather together. And, and heaven's armies, meaning legions and legions of angels, are praising God at this point. I mean, it's just like, can you imagine you're sitting there and you're just a lowly shepherd, and you're looked down upon in society, and all of a sudden an angel begins to speak to you and tell you about something that's going to happen, and it's going to be world-changing. It's going to be eternity-changing. Eternity and, and, and they get the news out. They can't hardly get the news out to the shepherds. And then all of a sudden, heaven just like a vortex busts open. And there's legions and legions of angels that are just praising God. I mean, it just must have been an incredible, incredible experience. But here's the thing that I always, I, I always overlook and I thought about it this time. And maybe you've thought about it before and you're smarter than me and you probably are. And that's great. But I thought about it. I said, what are they praising God about You say, well, the baby's going to be born. Yeah, I know that. I get that. But what, 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 what does that have to do with the angels? Well, the interesting thing here is what he's saying here is that the angels are so excited about God's redemptive plan for us they're praising God. They're, in other words, they understand that the birth of Jesus is, is a huge step in the phase of our forgiveness, our redemption. Because they know what Jesus is going to do. That he's going to be born, and he's going to grow up, and he's going to, to ultimately die on a cross. And, and so they get the plan. They, they're, wa- they're watching the redemptive plan unfold right before... And, and they're watching this go on, and they just bust out in praise... And it's interesting because Peter says in his epistle, he wrote a letter, and he says that, that they look at our salvation. They look at how God is working out our salvation, and they ponder it. They, they just love to look upon it. They're just amazed by it. And so they can't help themselves. they bust into ecstatic praise of God when they see what is taking place. (laughs) And we're going to talk about it at the end of the message, but it it makes sense when you come to Luke 15 and he says there's more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents. (laughs) And you you get the picture of what's going on. There's just crazy because all the all the redemptive plan and the mercy and grace of God is being demonstrated on a regular basis and and they're seeing like a pivotal part of that plan being laid down when Jesus is born and they just can't help themselves they're just like all over the place it was just crazy the second part of the message though is pretty important because they say peace on earth to those whom God is pleased and what they're saying is this, it's really important that we get the distinction that real peace, <clears throat> real hope, is not self-acquired. It's not that you try harder, it's not that you do a good job, it's not that you go to church or you believe in God. Or it's, they don't say that. It's not saying, uh, those that believe in God, those that go to church, those that do this, those that do that, will be blessed. No, it doesn't say that. Peace and hope only come through Jesus. Now, I want to give you a, it's it's a theological distinction, but it's really so important that you understand this distinction. Because we often say um, that God accepts me just as I am. No, he doesn't. God does not accept you just as you are. God accepts you just as you are in Christ Jesus. Because if you just stand before God the way you are without Jesus, you're not in Jesus, you've never called upon Jesus, you've never trusted Jesus, you're not in a good place. But if you are coming to God... Just as you are in Christ Jesus, you've called upon Him. You've asked Him to come into your life. You've asked to be your Savior. Now when when the Father looks at you, what does He see? He sees Jesus. Jesus took your place. Jesus took your punishment. He lived the life He should have lived. He died the death He should have died. So now we are safe. Now we do have hope. But it's only we come just as we are, but in Christ. And it's really important you understand that distinction. Because there's a lot of people that are going to stand before God one day and say, we did this, we did this, we did this. And Jesus will say, depart from me, I don't know you. So you can't just come just as you are. You need to come just as you are in Jesus Christ. And that's why they say, peace on earth to those whom God is pleased. God is pleased with you when you call upon his son, when you accept the rescue party of one that was born in Bethlehem. And if you reject that and say, well, I don't need it, I'm good enough, you're in trouble. Well, how was the message received? Well, heaven rejoiced, that's very obvious. And many, when they heard the news of the shepherds, they, they marveled what and, and, and they were amazed. But Mary did something very interesting. It said that Mary pondered and treasured what was being shared in her heart. Mary had her heart changed. Now, these words pondering and treasure are kind of interesting words. Pondering here means to discuss it with somebody, so she talked it over probably with Joseph and others and Elizabeth, and just shared kind of hey they, they said this, and you know Mary again, Mary' not understanding everything that's going on she's making sense of it as she goes along, and she she discussed it in fact, the the account we have in Luke, where do you think Luke got his account? Probably from Mary, and then it says she treasured. And treasured here means that she thought about it so much and she pondered it so much and she treasured it so much that she ultimately memorized it. She memorized it. So let me give you a little application from this. I hope you're here if you're a follower of Jesus Christ and say, I want my faith to grow. I want to grow up in my faith. I don't want to have little faith. I want my faith to grow. I want to walk with God more deeply, more more than I ever have. Well, how do you develop your faith? Well, I think you develop it by examining Mary's response and saying, what did she do here? Well, if if you really want God to speak in your life, you must give yourself to his word. The truth of the gospel will not accomplish anything in your life unless you allow it to bore deep into your soul. In the book of James, it's very interesting what James says. James says that the word of God is like a mirror. When you look at a mirror, you see your physical Appearance at that moment, right? And you make adjustments as needed. Sometimes we make more adjustments than others, but the point is that's what we do with the mirror. You know what James is saying? James says the Word of God is like a mirror to your soul, to your heart. It shows the state of your heart at that moment. And James says you can. You can allow that word of God to speak to your heart and show you your heart and then just walk away and forget what you, what you just looked at. Or you can ponder it. You can think about it. You can say, God, I don't like what I'm seeing here and I, I want it to change. Help me to change. And you can meditate on it. You can reflect upon it. And, and that's what I want to encourage you to do. So as you read the Bible, <coughs> I want you to say, what is what is the text saying? to don't, don't just try to answer questions that are interesting. Say, what is this saying to me? Like when you read about James and he starts talking about your tongue, you say, is that true in me? Does my tongue just fly off? Does my heart just... Is my heart just flying off the handle and my tongue is expressing the state of my heart? And it's not very good. Or, you know, come to a pastor and say, do I really believe this? You know, Howard Hendricks said, and I think he's absolutely right, if you don't do it, you don't believe it. If you don't do it, you don't believe it. If you think sharing your faith is good, you don't believe it unless you share your faith. If you think giving is good, if you don't do it, you don't believe it. You do what you believe. Um, so will you allow his truth to change you? Will you allow his truth to change you? One of, the reflection, one of the things that we want you to do, and it's five for 15, five things that we want to do. And the five are very basically this. We want you to reflect on the word of God daily. We want you to pray daily. We want you to share your faith. Help, help a person take one step closer to Jesus. We want you to use your gift in in serving God. And we want you to give, sacrificially and regularly. Those are the five things we want you to do. But the first one is reflect. And you say, Pastor, I don't know what you mean. When you say reflect, I don't know what you mean. Well, let me ask you a question. How many of you have ever worried? Raise your hand if you've ever worried. Go ahead. Don't be bashful. Don't be shy. If you didn't raise your hand, you're probably lying, but that's beside the point. No. I mean, we all worry, right? And what's worry? We're reflecting on things, negative things. We're saying, what am I going to do? It's a disaster. It's a mess. Uh, how am I going to get myself out of this? Wh- where am I going to find the money? What a- how am I going to pay this bill? What, you know? And you think about it, and, you, and it just drives you, and, you, and you, people close to you go, what's wrong? And you say, well, I don't know what I'm going to do here. And, you, and you've been thinking about it, and you think of, Some of you lay awake at night with your eyes open. You're looking at the ceiling. You're going, I don't know what I'm going to do here. What are you doing? You're worrying. What's worry? Negative reflection. That's all it is. Worry is just negative reflection. You're thinking about something negative. So what is, what, what is, what is reflection? What is the reflection we're talking about? Reflection we're talking about is taking the word of God and reflecting on it, thinking about it. And, and Paul says basically this at one point. He says, whatever is true, whatever is good, whatever is perfect, think on these things things reflect upon them run them over and over in your mind that's what mary did mary pondered them and held them in her heart that's what reflection is we want you to daily take the word of god open it up and reflect on it because that's going to change your life that's going to build your faith number three here's the third thing the gospel does it points us to a shepherd who became a lamb now, what Mary pondered, we can know because we have the full revelation. We've, we're further down the ro- l- road. Mary's just learning as little by little. I mean, Mary stood at the base of the cross and didn't understand what was happening at that point. We know because we saw the resurrection in the scripture. We get it. We see the, the whole from the birth to the resurrection. We see it. Mary didn't. She's in the middle of it. And she's trying to discern it in the middle of it. Uh, what Mary pondered, we can know. And the baby became not just a shepherd, but the shepherd. And Jesus said this in John chapter 10. He says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd sacrifices his life for his, for the sheep. A hired hand will, will run when he sees a wolf coming. He will abandon the sheep because he does, they don't belong to him, and, and he isn't their shepherd. And so the wolf attacks them and scatters the flock. The hired hand runs away because he is working only for the money and doesn't really care about the sheep. But notice Jesus, the contrast, I am the good shepherd, I know my own sheep, and they know me, just as my Father knows me and I know the Father. And so in other words, he's saying there's an intimate, there's a deep, there's a growing, there's a thriving relationship between the shepherd and the sheep. It's not just this casual... See, there's a difference between saying, (coughs) I believe in Jesus... And I believe Jesus. There's a lot of people that say, Oh, I believe in Jesus. But there's a big difference to say, I believe Jesus. And when Jesus tells me we're going to go into this field or we're going to go here, I follow. That's what I do. Because I'm one of his sheep. And he says, So I sacrifice my life for the sheep. I have other sheep too that are not of the sheepfold. I must bring them also. That's speaking of us, by the way. They will also listen to my voice, and they will, there will be one flock with one shepherd. Jesus became the great shepherd who would lay down his life for his sheep. Notice, he's not the shepherd of all sheep, and it's very important to understand that. Jesus is not the shepherd of everyone. And it makes sense, because there are some... And it's, in this parable, it's very clear. In these words, it's very clear. He basically says, there are some that are not my sheep, and they're just going to go their way. They won't listen to my voice. They're going to do their own thing. But, interestingly enough, in Revelation 7, it says, the lamb... On the throne will be their shepherd. So here it describes Jesus not just as a shepherd, but as a shepherd who becomes a lamb. And it says he will lead them to springs of living water, and God will wipe away their tears. So here's an incredible picture because it says that the great shepherd will become a lamb. And this lamb will be, and we, you know, any Jewish person would know in this day that this meant sacrifice, this meant death, this meant uh, a substitution. And so, what we're saying in this whole series is this, and this is what Mary's wrestling with, which she doesn't understand. But what we can see, because we're seeing it from, from you know, past history, behind the cradle, is a cross. The cross behind the cradle is a cross that Jesus came to die. And we must not miss this message of Christmas: a Savior is born who will save his people from their sins. That's why they say you will name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. That's why Jesus came. And we often miss the message of Christmas because we say, well, if I just try higher, harder, God will give me a comfortable and peaceful life. But, you know, the shepherd's message is this. There's peace now available between heaven and earth. And we, never, we don't really think about that because we think that we're, you know, uh, we're doing okay. But the Bible says something quite different. The Bible says you're at war with God, that you're fighting with God, that you're arguing with God, that you're debating with God, that you want to be God. And you say, Pastor, I don't want to be God. Yeah, I think you do. I, I mean, I found... I, I, I don't, you know, wake up every day and say, well, I want to be God today, but I behave like it. Let me give you a couple of examples. Worry. Talking again about worry. What is Worry. Worry comes when we're fighting God over mastery. Because we say, you know, God, I think I'm better at managing this world in my life than you are. I think the reason I'm struggling right now is because you're not giving me what I need. If you gave me what I need, then I wouldn't have to worry. You're not doing a good job as God. I think I ought to be God. And that's why Jesus says, oh, you lack faith. What's a lack of faith? You're not trusting God. You're not allowing God to be God. You're trying to be God. Or judgment. You know, it's very easy for us to condemn and judge people. We say, oh, they deserve this or they deserve that. And we're very judgmental. You know, if you're here today and you generally are pretty judgmental of people, you're playing God. People you don't even know, you're judging. You're judging their attitudes. You're judging their behavior. You're judging their motives. You don't know their motives, but you're judging them. And what are you doing there? You're playing God. You're basically saying, if I was in charge, this is what I would do. There's no mercy. There's no grace. Or goodness. You say, well, I'm a pretty good person. I'm better than most. I deserve to go to heaven. But basically all you're doing there is you're just taking his job job as Savior. You're saying, you know, I know Jesus came and he was born in a manger and he died on a cross. But that was for really bad people, not for me. I mean, I don't, I don't need a Savior. I'm not that bad. I'm, I'm not great, but I'm not that bad. I'm better than most. I go to church. I believe in God. So therefore, Jesus, I'm, I, I appreciate that you came to earth. I appreciate you died on the cross for those people, but not for me. I remember giving uh, somebody asking me and said, if you were to die today, would you go to be with God in heaven? I said, I hope so. And, and, he, and he asked me a second question. He says, well, if you were to, you were to die and, and meet God at the gates of heaven and God were to say, why should I let you into heaven? What would you say? And I said, well, I go to church. I go to confession once a month. I'm not perfect, but I'm not bad. And frank, frankly, I'm better than most people. I didn't tell him I go to church because my mom made me go to church. That was, you know, we, we tend to downplay the those little facts that don't ride the way we want. But he finally said something to me, and it, it just struck me. He says, well, where does Jesus fit in? I go, I don't know. <laughs> I know he died somewhere. I know he died on a cross. I have no idea how that fits in with my life. Well, what, was, what was I saying to him? I got this under control. I don't need a Savior. And what began there in my life and it began there in my heart was I realized I was trying to self-save myself. And I came to a point and I realized I couldn't. See, the message of Christmas is amazing. That you've been fighting with God for his job. That he sent his son Jesus as Savior. Something incredible has happened. Something has broken into human history. And it causes the angels to to rejoice and praise God. Jesus the baby has come to live and die for you. The fighting in your life between you and God has been solved and you can be saved and heaven is waiting to rejoice again. And that's why I love Luke, Luke 15, because it says there's more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents and, and returns to God than over 99 others who are righteous in heaven straight away. And, and, but the point I want you to see there is that rejoicing still continues today. That when a, when a heart is turned, when a life is turned, when a person calls upon the Lord, there's rejoicing in heaven, just like there was 2,000 years ago with the shepherds. And I think about that and I said, you know, the day when I trusted Christ over 30 years ago, there was rejoicing in heaven because I realized I was lost and I needed a Savior. And there was a party in heaven for me. And the angels who, who, who lo- love to look on these things burst out in joy and... This is just mind-boggling to me. And so when Jesus is born and the shepherds are out in the field and they say, hey, here's what's happening. The Savior has been born. Go tell Mary. Go relate what you've seen. And then all of a sudden, heaven just blows up with praise because our redemption is taking place. That's just incredible. I don't understand it. It's marvelous. It's, in, it's incomprehensible. It's beyond understanding. It's hope. There's hope today. The hope doesn't come because we try harder or we try to make our kids safer. Our hope comes because we know that there's a God who's in charge and in control. And we're living in a dark world. But he understands what that's like. Because he lived in a dark world. And that dark world ultimately took him. But he says you know. When you go through that dark valley. I'll walk with you. And you'll have an eternal hope. That nobody can snuff out. That's the hope that I hope. You'll walk out with today. Would you stand with me as we pray. Father help us. Because we need this hope. I pray that if there's anyone here. That has never called upon Jesus. They would understand how significant that will make a uh, significant change that will make, bring into their life and forgiveness and freedom and hope and all those good things. For our Father, for those of us who have been given the privilege of sharing the good news of the gospel, help us to understand it's not about us. We're bringing a message that is life transformational. And help us, Father, to just begin to reflect upon the truth of your word as it ignites our hearts, changes our hearts, enlivens us. Thank you for the message of Christmas. Thank you for the baby who became a shepherd, who became a lamb, who gives us life. And angels. Burst out in joy and praise. Thank you.